your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3. I thought about how the Sunday school lessons were about to start in Colossians after I uh, prepared this sermon. So we're about to be going through Colossians in Sunday school. But for now, let's jump to Colossians chapter 3. We're going to look at verses 14 through 17 tonight with an encouraging thought on how pleasing God is possible. Uh, God saves us sinners and, and we actually can come to a place of being able to please God. It says, starting in verse 14, above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called into one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. There were two couples that got together and catching up on good old times, uh, you know, a couple that were friends, and uh, one couple said, well, we recently went duck hunting, just the two of us, and I tell you, we had the best time. It was, it was so much fun. We just made a day of it. Weather was beautiful. We enjoyed each other's company, and, and so duck hunting was a is just a highlight of our recent past. And, and that other couple said over there kind of envious, a little bit of struggling in the relationship, and they thought they really needed something. And they said, that's it. We're going we're gonna to go duck hunting, honey. Just me and you. They had a good time doing it. That might be just what we need to hit the spot. So, so they get to planning, get to preparing. They purchase them a hunting dog. And they pack up and they set out. And they're going duck hunting. And they, they get out there, beautiful lake, ducks everywhere. Everything seems perfect. And time goes by throughout the day. Almost the whole day is gone and they hadn't got one single duck. And, and so a time they were supposed to enjoy, they finally spend arguing. I know what that's like. When me and my son go fishing, we're jumping up and down when we catch fish. When there's nothing, we're getting, we're getting irritated with each other. So that's the case with them. And so one of them comes up with a solution, says, look, we haven't got a duck all day. We just need to start throwing this hunting dog higher in the air when they fly by. You know, that describes a whole lot of people in life not knowing how to use the right tools for the right thing that they are in need of. Many people are, are trying to accomplish things in life by a process that just doesn't work. You know, and one of those things is living the Christian life. Speaking of our behavior, the way we live, living the Christian life, pleasing to God. This is an extremely important subject. It really gets in the way of a lot of things whenever, whenever our behavior hinders us 
and what we want to do for God and what we want to do in living for God. Uh, I have about a dozen sayings written down on a blank sheet in in the back of my Bible and uh, from just different quotes and different statements I hear that seem very profound. And, And my latest one came this past Sunday morning. You might remember Pastor making the statement, what I believe and how I behave are joined together. That's the way it should be for you and I as Christians. Uh, The two should harmonize. God has given us the ability for the two to harmonize. He has put within us what we need for these two to harmonize. It doesn't always immediately start happening in our lives. It never constantly happens perfectly always in our lives. But it's something that should go on. You know, as we look here in Colossians chapter 3, when we look back at verses 8 through 10, we see some certain actions that are conflicting with verses 12 and 13. Two completely different sets of actions. There is one set of things that we are to put off, and there is another set of things that you and I are to put on. And we see what we should put off starting in verse 8. Put off all of these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, Filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds. And then we see those things we should put on in verses 12 and 13. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. There's quite a big difference, we would all agree, in these actions. Christian behavior is a very important topic. Many people have many struggles with it. You know, you might think that some people just deliberately live the way they live. I believe there are a lot of people that, that are Christians who struggle with their behavior and they don't want to be living the way that they're living. They do want to live for the Lord. They do want to live a life pleasing to the Lord. But... They're trying to do it in the wrong way. They're just using the wrong tools because you know how we're naturally wired up. We naturally want to put self-effort into everything that we do. And we want to depend upon ourselves to do the things that we do. When we hear something of a modern method on how to do something, something fresh, something new, we want to try that sometimes and it gets many people's attention. But the truth is, there is a great method for you and I. It's a great old method for you and I to be able to live the Christian life. And it comes from the Word of God. And it is not going to be improved upon. And you and I have some wonderful tools that we might share tonight to use in the right way for the right purpose. And that is to be able to live a life pleasing to God. It is possible. And the first tool we're going to look at in verse 14 is love. Love 
completes. It's a unifier. Above all these, put on charity or love, agape love, which is the bond of perfectness. God's agape love produced in the heart of the believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. This is above all of those good things that we listed in verses 12 and 13. It is, it surpasses them all. As a matter of fact, all of those things we are to put on, we're not going to be able to put those on without God's love. It's above all and it, it blesses all ability to be able to do that. Love, it's not mistaken and it's not just not a big deal that it's the first thing mentioned in the fruit of the Spirit. There is significance in love being mentioned first. That all of those are separate different fruits, but if you think about it and you look about it and you reflect on 1 Corinthians 13 where we're describing love, you will find that all of those other things will have to come from love. The love of God is very important. It brings the mercy. It brings the kindness, the humility, the meekness, the long-suffering, the forbearance, and the forgiveness all together. We're to be clothed in the love of God. We're to be clothed in the love that sacrificed for all of our sins. For God so loved the world... And then this love that comes into the believer's life can be applied, it can be appropriated, and it is to be lived out. We should be clothed in God's love. God's love is a great tool for the Christian that wants to behave like a Christian, the Christian that wants to live a life pleasing to God. It's very possible. When we are loving with self-sacrificial love, we are binding together all of these other attributes of these things that we are to put on in our lives. We are to be extending and exemplifying to others God's love. It will flow through us. And being surrendered to God, He will love through you and I. Jesus said, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one to another. That's to be shown. That's to be extended to other people. We're, we're binding all of these attributes together in God's love. And we are binding God's people together with His love. As I think about prayer requests and, you know, that we gave tonight, who knows what someone came in here with? Who knows what someone truly has on their heart. And and love is what everyone wants to come in and be able to experience in the house of God. It's a great tool. It's a tool that when we've grown and when we've matured as a Christian, this is what's going to complete us. When we have matured and grown into the love of God being appropriated through our lives, this is the ultimate maturity that we're going to find upon this earth. We're complete in this. We're in good working order to live and have the behavior by which we believe whenever God's love is flowing in our lives. So it's a great tool. 
it's a great tool. Love completes. It's a unifier. But as we go to verse 15, we see another great tool, and that is peace. Peace captains our life, or peace is the umpire. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. I'll never forget seeing, uh, I believe it was Dave Winfield, Nolan Ryan pegged him with a, with a pitch, and he, he charged the mound, and they had him a good old fight, and Nolan Ryan came out on the short end of it. I believe that was the one. And then I know there was another one after it. Nolan Ryan was waiting for the batter at that time. It was an accident. And he was innocent. He, he got him in a headlock and didn't let go. You know, you, I've, seen, I've seen the baseball field just crowd with players in a big old fight. Can you imagine if there were no umpire in the game? I mean, now sometimes there's a fight over the umpire's call. He says, safe. And man, you have one team rushing out on the field. No, he wasn't. Big old fight. But, but can you imagine if there were no umpire that was calling the shots in the game, making the decisions, making the calls? It keeps it a lot more organized and a lot more civil than it would be if there were no umpire. Thank God for the umpire in the baseball game. When we were saved, the Bible says in Romans chapter 5, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God. We're, we're born the enemies of God. We're born in hostility toward God. We were against God. But we make peace with God, every human being, only through Jesus Christ who died for all, was buried and raised for all. And we come to peace with God. We're no longer at war with God. He's not on our side, but we're on His side when we make peace with God through Jesus. What a, what a wonderful truth. What a wonderful thing that happens in our life because that, that makes a complete difference in our eternity and an eternity of hell. Or an eternity of heaven. Complete difference down the road when we die. But peace also makes a complete difference in our lives now. We make peace with God and then we experience the peace of God. Paul is used here by the Lord to say, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. And that word rule means to umpire. We have an umpire for our lives that we so desperately need. Our life is umpired by the peace of God. The peace of God calls things as they are. I mean, in perfect righteous judgment for every decision that you and I have to make. The peace of God will call the right shot. Sometimes the umpire doesn't call the right shot in the baseball game, but the peace of God calls the perfect right shot and decision for you and I to make every time. Let the peace of God, it says, rule in your heart. The peace of God calls things with influence 
over the decisions that we are to make. It doesn't make the decision for us. We understand that by what the way the Bible says it. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. But there is very good influence given to us on decisions we should make in life. Our decisions go hand in hand with the behavior that we're going to have. The peace of God weighs heavy on the feelings of our flesh. When we want to do what we want to do and we just want to do it and we just want that to be it, why can't that just be it? Well, there's a heaviness that comes over us when that decision might be wrong when that decision might need some more thought. And that is the peace of God within weighing on us, leading us to the decisions that we should make. You know, I'm not saying there's something big and sinful about it, but there's some decisions I just really want to make sometimes. There's just something I really want to do, and and I just can't go forward with it sometimes, and that's... That's the peace of God wanting to rule in my heart, wanting to umpire and call the shots for me in what God would have me to do. It causes us to pause. The peace of God umpiring us, it causes us to pause and say, yeah, I know I want to do this, but is this pleasing to my God? Is this going to honor my God? This decision that I'm tempted to make, that I want to make, that I think might be okay, well, how is that going to affect my family? How is that going to affect the boss? How is that going to affect the church? How is that going to affect others? When peace is the captain in our hearts, there will not be carelessness and there will not be thoughtlessness in decision making. That's the great helper that we have. Pleasing the Lord is possible with peace as the captain of our hearts. When the umpire calls the right decision within us, we won't want the guilt of disagreeing with what's right. We won't want to step over God and all of His provision and all of His wisdom and just make the decision we want to make because peace is crying out in our hearts and influencing us. Wait just a minute and consider this with God. Let peace be the captain. We all need a reinforcing help to make the right decisions and Hallelujah, the peace of God will rule and will reign in your heart. It is possible to live a life pleasing to God. Not only by peace capting in our heart and being the umpire, but also we see in verse 16 that the word clings and it is universal. Verse 16 says, let the word of Christ, if the peace of God isn't enough, which it is, but look at all these tools you have. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly and all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. This isn't part of the message, but but concerning music, I, I have my own personal one style of music I like to worship to. 
but I can't, but I can't stand on it as the only music we should worship to because I see three different types of songs there. If someone tries to tell you there's only one kind of music that you can worship to, well, they're wrong because Colossians 3.16, you can show them there's three different types of songs there and you got that for free. That's not part of it. We're talking about the Word and the Word changes. It's universal. The Word clings, I'm, I'm saying, as in the Word of Christ, the Word of God dwells within us. It will dwell within us because the Word says, let the Word dwell within you. The Word of God can feel at home and do continuous work in your life and it will never let up. It's never exhausted. It will never stop. The Word of Christ will keep on speaking to you and working through you and continuing through your life. It clings to us. It's universal in that it's the only Word that we need. We don't need another Word. We don't need a new Word. I hold commentaries at a distance and very lightly because this is the number one word and everything else that's decent must come from this word. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. The Bible says that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and it is profitable for doctrine or doctrine being the blueprints for your life comes from the Word of God, the teachings, the blueprints of what you need. It's profitable for doctrine. The Word of God is profitable for reproof. It lets us know when we're doing wrong and that we shouldn't do it anymore. But it doesn't leave us there because the Word of God is also profitable for correction. We Not just to show us what we're doing wrong, but how to get it right. And it's also profitable for instruction in righteousness, 2 Timothy 3.16 says. So not only can we get it right, but we can continue moving in the right direction uh, with the Word of Christ. Let it dwell in you. Let it be in home. Have the Word of God close to your life. It not only is what we need to be thoroughly furnished, as 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17 says, but it also fills us up full. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. It fills you is what the word of God does. The psalmist said, thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. It's possible to live a life pleasing to God, very possible by the tools that he has given us. We're shown in this word that we are to show it. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Wisdom is the ability to apply knowledge to life so we can show the word of God. But what else do we see there? It says it says teaching so we can speak the word of God. It says to be admonishing so we can be sharing the word of God and lifting others up. And it says to be singing the word of God. When the word of God dwells in us richly, that's what we'll do. And so the word of God will be seen in our lives when that's what we do with it. We must heed the word of God. We must handle it. We must hide it and we must hold it forth. A lot of people explain certain parts of the Bible best 
by an experience they've had in their life when the word of God was lived out in their life. You understand this, this, this most popular book of all time is a personal book. It's a personal book to you and I. And when you find your life laced in and out of the scriptures, when you, when you take in the word of God and then you walk it out in your life, those things are going to bring about the best understanding that you have of the word of God. You study it and then you walk it and you see God's word unfold in your life as you live. You see parallels to the, to the heroes of the Bible and certain things in your life as you live it out. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. It's a great tool for us to have. But not only is love a great tool, and not only is the is peace a great tool, and the word of Christ a great tool, but but when you put these all together, we have the deeds corresponding. What have we been trying to get to? A behavior that matches our belief. It's possible to live a life pleasing to God. Well, look at verse 17 at the deeds corresponding they're upright because this is a tall order here and whatsoever you do in word or deed do all in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God and the Father by him this is what these tools of of love these tools of peace ruling in your heart, these tools of the word of God, when these are building up something in us, it brings us to a place of being able to live a life pleasing to God, a life of what we say and a life of what we do resembling Jesus Christ and actually able to represent him properly. That's possible for you and I. As long as we use the right tools in the right place to do what he wants us to do. Loving what he loves and hating what he hates. Doing what he does and not doing what he doesn't do. God is steadily working on us and he's steadily taking us there. And maybe he's taking us there quicker if we're using the proper tools. Not self-effort, not a modern method but the things that we find in the word of God by using these tools, these things are put into our lives. And we close, we see at the end of verse 17, giving thanks to God for it. Well, that that rules out self-effort right there. That rules out anything we're going to do on our own right there. When we're able to do all that we do in the name of the Lord Jesus We give thanks to God because it's what he's going to do through us. He just wants you and I to observe and to pick up and to use the tools that he has given us for the right job. I don't think anyone is going to listen to what happened and go out and throw that bird dog up in the air to catch that duck. And hopefully you and I will not go through the Christian life as many do trying to live that life with the wrong tools in the wrong way, with the wrong thing in mind. Pleasing God 
is possible because he's put in us everything that we need and he's given us everything we need to live by. And as I think about that, there's a lot of religion out there. As we close, we might consider a lot of religion out there. A lot of people that think they're going to earn favor with God. A lot of people that think they're going to do this for God. And and maybe I can please God enough on this side and this side won't amount to as much bad things that I do. And, and that's a lie from the devil's hell. There is no possibility of living a life pleasing to God no matter what we do without first coming to faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of our lives. You must, you can't be a, just a creation of God. You must be a child of God. You must come into the family of God having your sins forgiven through the death, burial, and resurrection of God's Son. That's the only way that any of us can, can enter the family of God and then live that life pleasing to God. No matter what good we do, don't, don't pass up the most important thing in life. And that is knowing that you know that you have been saved from your sins. There's no rising above our sins. There is only accepting Jesus Christ who died on the cross for our sins. We've broken God's law and Jesus paid the fine. Look, this is good news. This is good news for you. It's the best news you could ever have. It's free for you if you trust Him. The Word of God gives you the faith to do that, and that's what we've shared tonight. And so we're going to go to the Lord in a word of prayer. And if there be anyone here tonight that does not know the saving grace of God, the free gift of salvation through Jesus, this good news is for you tonight. And we ask that you don't leave here before talking to someone that I promise you loves you with a self-sacrificial love that you might be saved.